This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Today, we are wrapping up a series of messages that we've called, What's in Your Head? And so over the last three weeks, we have talked about how Jesus has a plan for our thoughts, that we have over 6,000 unique thoughts a day, and Jesus has a plan for every single one of them. That battle in our mind is often the loneliest battle we fight. It's also the most consistent battle we fight. And so we've explored how Jesus clearly has a plan for us. And his plan is to transform us, to renew our minds, and to help us learn how to turn up the soundtrack of the Spirit in our thoughts and turn down all those soundtracks of of death and destruction and distraction that the enemy tries to bring to us. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 has been our our guiding passage, our, our foundation for this series, where Paul tells us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And so we have made the point every week, when you say yes to Jesus, you are immediately and totally transformed, and yet you are also invited into an experience of ongoing renewal, where you are being made more and more like him every single day. He doesn't expect you to be perfect, he just expects you to be walking with him, to listen to his voice, and it's a a constant process of Jesus changing our minds from how we used to think, what we used to believe before we followed him, into this new way of life. And in this new way of life, he's going to renew our minds, every thought, and from those renewed minds, we're going to experience a renewed life. And so today I want to talk to you a little bit about what it means to let that renewed mind out. And so we're going to explore the connection between our thoughts and our words and how important it is for us to surrender our mouths and our speech to the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I will, I'll just kind of give you fair warning. You know, I've, I've told you before, I always get a head start on being convicted by the Holy Spirit with these messages, right? Because I, you know, this, in this case, it's been several months of kind of thinking and praying, and then there's a week of intense study, and there's a lot of opportunities for me to recognize all the ways that I get this wrong and all the ways that I need God's help. And so uh, today, I'm just glad that somebody else is going to join me in that. Um, because I, how many of you have ever had a problem controlling your speech? Anybody? Okay, now let's see who the real ones are. Who's tasted soap? Okay, yeah, there, there you go, right? I mean, if you, maybe some of you are like, I should have, uh, my parents just didn't believe in that, right? And because they didn't believe in it, you're still having problems with it today. But it's just, there's, there's nothing, like you remember those moments of, man, I, I, I shot my mouth off and then this happened. And some of us, we can go back to childhood. I was talking to my mom this week. She reminded me, uh, when you were three years old, you were standing out in front of the house, you mouthed off to one of the seven-year-old neighbor kids, and your big sister came running in the house yelling, someone's killing Chris. And my mom came out, and this kid had me on the ground with both hands wrapped around my neck as I was turning purple. And I was like, what did I do? She was like, you ran your mouth. And she told me that story at least every month for the entire time I was growing up. And she would tell me, your mouth almost got you killed and someday it will if you don't learn to shut up. And as it would come out of her mouth, I would have a brilliant response that I just had to give back to her. 
every time, and then every time something worse would happen, right? So if you, have you ever been grounded because of something you said? Right? Have you ever been um, in trouble at school because of something you said? Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be negative. At school, it's just this idea of I just can't stop talking. One of our kids came home in second grade, and he said, hey, the teacher moved me. It was the first day of school. Um, said, oh, yeah? He said, yeah, and then the second day he came home. He said, she moved me again. Okay, the third day, she moved me again. Uh, the fourth day he came home, he said, she moved me again, and it doesn't matter where she puts me, I'm going to talk. Like he, he was just determined, right? And, and so all of us, we know this feeling of it's hard to control the words that come out of my mouth. What I want us to think about today, though, is this connection between our words and our thoughts. Because when we talk about renewing our mind and we talk about controlling our thoughts, Sometimes there's this, this idea of like, well, it's hard for me to know what's actually going on in my mind. If there are 6,000 thoughts a day, how am I supposed to know which ones are coming, where they're coming from, if they're pleasing to the Lord, if they're not pleasing to the Lord? Maybe, maybe sometimes you feel like they just sweep through before you even have an opportunity to pay attention, to evaluate them, and then you're on to the next one. Well, what Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 12 is that our words create a, a, a revelation of what's in our heart, what's in our head. So if you want to know what's in your head, just listen to what's coming out of your mouth. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So if, if you have this problem of trying to understand what am I thinking about, then what you really just need to pay attention to is what am I talking about? Because the things you're talking about, the things you're saying, those are the things you're giving most of your time, most of your energy, and most of your attention to. Which should then lead us to ask the question of what do my words say about me? Now, I, I, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a, a family where we went to church, where there were some pretty deep holiness roots, and so uh, I did not grow up playing poker. Still not really a poker player. I had a couple buddies that tried to teach me a few times, and I, I don't know. I just never got it. But the one thing I remember is in poker, you don't want to have a tell, right? You, you don't want there to be a, a physical sign that gives away what you hold in your hands. And this is not like poker tip Sunday. So that's as far as we're going down that road. Otherwise, just generally like don't gamble. Not a good idea. doesn't go well. There's a reason casinos keep getting bigger, right? Um, it's because you're bad at this. So, so don't do it. But, but what Jesus is telling us is that your words are a tell for what's in your mind. And, and you really can't separate what you say from who you are. Now, culturally, this is hard for us because we live in a culture that accepts and celebrates excessive and ridiculous speech, right? And there are certain, certain areas and certain places where people behave and speak in certain ways that we would not accept from anyone, anywhere, but in that situation, it's like, well, that's okay. If you don't believe me, go home this afternoon and uh, turn on a football game and just wait for a sideline shot when a coach sees his player screw up or an official make a bad call. And what you see in that space, and, and it's not just professional coaches. I go watch a college game, a high school game, go to a Christian school and watch their Christian coach, right? Come watch me coach my little kids, like whatever it is, just come. And there's this idea of it is, it is culturally acceptable for me to scream at this person in a way I would speak to no one else. Why? Because, well, I'm a coach, and when coaches get angry, they yell and cuss and throw things. And that's okay. 
Right? And we have other ways we excuse it. Of No, 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 I love Jesus and I walk with the Holy Spirit until the customer service person isn't helpful. And then I close my office door and I let them have it, right? You have all of these, I mean, if, if you're a, let's say you're a patient and you don't feel like you're getting the care that you deserve. My wife's a nurse and she'll tell me about some of these people who come into the emergency room and you know, they'll find out she's a pastor's wife and they're like, oh yeah, we go to church here, we go to church there. But the moment something doesn't go their way, the demons come out. Right? And, and they are calling the nurses and the doctors everything under the sun. Why? Because culturally, we have adopted the behaviors of, I have to speak in certain ways to achieve certain results, and that's okay. You know, you, maybe you're in sales, and you think, if, if i got to make sales, i gotta, I got to make these jokes. i got to connect in these ways. Maybe you're in the, the military or law enforcement, and you're like, well, this is just how we talk. It's just what we do. What Jesus is helping us to understand, though, is your mouth speaks what your heart is full of. And so if you are constantly speaking angry, bitter, divisive words, it's because you have an angry, bitter, divided heart. If you're constantly talking about what you don't have and how you deserve what someone else has, your heart is full of discontent and jealousy. If you're always talking about your money and your possessions, your heart is full of greed. If you're always talking about sex, your heart is full of lust. If you're always talking about what you would do if you wouldn't get caught, your heart is full of violence and deceit. Jesus is telling us your words matter. We cannot separate our speech from our character. Levi Lusco puts it this way in his book, I Declare War. He says, your intentions don't matter. Your behavior does. No one can hear what you wanted to say. We only hear what you said. And so, so this is what I told you earlier of when I read that, I was deeply offended by it. Because what I say is not always what I say I mean. Right? Have you ever had that moment of, well, I know that's what I said, and I know it sounded really angry, but what I meant was I love you. That's what, what I was trying to say. I know it sounded greedy and ungrateful, but what I meant was, I meant was thank you, I appreciate you. We, we have these moments, but Lusco reminds us of, hey, no one else can get in your head. And we don't know what you meant to say or what you wanted to say. All we know is what you said. So there's power in our words, but again, I, I don't want to crush you. I don't want to discourage you. I actually want to encourage you to let your words be a tool that God uses to reveal what's in your mind. Because once you say it, it's pretty clear of at some level, I believe that. And when it comes out, if you don't like what your words are saying about what's in your head, then you're going to use your words to repent and to ask God for help, not just to help you control your speech, but to change and renew your mind. So, so this is kind of what that has looked like for me. So, so this, I, I got this done on uh, Tuesday of this week. And so Tuesdays are our sermon writing day. I, I had finished most of it. I'd worked through it a little bit on Wednesday. Um, on Thursday, Angie and I had a, a family member who had a, a health scare. And so it, it inspired, right, in the way that a crisis will, it inspired urgent prayer. And sometimes when you begin to pray urgently and you begin to pray out loud, you will find yourself praying things that surprise you because you didn't know they were inside of you. And in this case for me, I was not surprised 
by the abundance of the spiritual gift of faith that was inside of me. Instead, I was surprised as I heard myself pray out loud, God, you never answer my prayers for this person in these types of situations. And the moment they came out of my mouth, it was as the Spirit used it to reveal that's what's in your heart. Instead of faith, there's fear. Instead of belief, there's anxiety. Instead of knowing not only does God love you, but he loves them, you're living in the space where you think if you don't get what you want, you're not getting anything at all. And as soon as I spoke those words of God, you never, he immediately reminded me of three specific instances in that person's life that he had physically healed their bodies as we prayed for them. But what happened? What happened was my mouth spoke what my heart was full of. But in that revelation, it was not an opportunity for the Spirit to say, you dummy, you still don't get it. It was an opportunity for the Spirit to say, yeah, that's what's in your heart. Now let's renew that space. Let's, tell, let's turn down the volume on lies and let's start to turn up the volume on truth. Let's remember that just because life is not currently what you want it to be, it doesn't mean God is not working. It doesn't mean God is not active. It doesn't mean God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean God doesn't love them. As the words come out and you begin to ask, what do my words say about me? And they reveal things you don't like. The answer is not that God is now mad at you and turned away from you, but it's just this is a space that he wants to work. And if you want to feel really, really brave, ask the people close to you what the words you speak say about you. And then don't listen with defensiveness. Don't go in that trying to start fights. But if they say, hey, you know, your, your words are a little angry. Your words are a little bitter. Your words are, are a little fearful. Your words are a little greedy. In that space, just say, okay, thank you. And then begin to surrender that to the Lord. Now, what we've seen over the last three weeks is if we have 6,000 thoughts a day, God clearly has a plan to renew our minds. Studies show that the average person will speak about 16,000 words a day. Right? So, so clearly, God is going to have a plan for that as well. So I want to kind of take the rest of our time this morning to do two things. First of all, we're going to talk about what is God's plan for our speech and how does he renew our speech and then secondly we'll talk about just three quick ways for us to think about renewed speech so the the first thing we need to understand is jesus expects us to control our words it's just it's very clear paul tells us this in ephesians chapter 4 he says do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. So again, Jesus tells us what? That the, the, heart, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And now Paul tells us, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Now the, the Greek word that we translate there as unwholesome is a word that's used in other places to describe rotting food. And so what Paul is, is literally saying is, do not let any rotten speech come out of your mouth. Not just speaking of the words you speak, but the topics you talk about, the way in which you talk, the way in which you respond. And so, so he's making it very clear, just in case we don't get it, do not, right? So we all understand, do not let any, so not even a little bit, not sometimes, not when you're really aggravated, not when they started it, do not let any unwholesome, rotten, decaying, dead talk come out of your mouth. 
And so now we understand Paul is not just promoting kind of this, this outward observance of religion, but he's trying to point us to an internal work of the Holy Spirit. So if you are speaking in ways that contribute to the rot of the world, it means there's some rot in your heart. And so in the same way that the Spirit revealed to me, hey, the words that are coming out of your mouth, they're revealing things that are in your heart that should not be there, so let's deal with those. So also when you recognize my speech leads to rotten experiences for those around me, it's not just I'm going to learn to be quiet, it's Lord, will you come and change my heart? If I'm constantly speaking in these ways, will you take it apart? And then, then Paul tells us it's not just about not saying the wrong things, it's also about saying the right things. But instead, speak only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. So again, it's, it's an evaluation point for us. When you leave a conversation, do people feel like, oh man, that was rotten and gross and I need to take a shower? I can't stand being around them. I mean, you've, you've been in these talks before, right? Where the, the negativity, the pessimism just dripped off of someone else. Where the cynicism and sarcasm just, I mean, literally you could feel it. Where the anger and the bitterness just covered you as they spoke to you. Where their greed or insecurity, their hatred, their divisiveness, you walked away thinking, oh, that was awful, that was terrible. What Paul's trying to help us understand is our words create an impact on those around us. And if we are speaking rotten words, we're contributing to the rot of the world. And so as followers of Jesus, we're going to pray, Lord, not only will you renew my mind, but will you renew my speech so that I will not participate in conversations and topics and discussions that contribute to the rot of the world. And instead of that, will you help me to use my speech to build others and so Jesus, his expectation is you're going to control the negative impact of your speech. You're also going to control the positive impact of your speech. You are going to use it in ways that build others up. And again, you can think of this. You have friends, you have family members that you love to talk to because you walk away from them feeling encouraged. Angie and I went out yesterday to Western Oklahoma to celebrate one of my aunt and uncle's 50th wedding anniversaries. And, and my dad, he's, just, he's got a couple sisters that because they don't hang around me very much, they think I'm just the greatest person in the world, right? Do you have ants like this? That they just, you know, normally they don't live close to you, um, and, and that helps. Uh, but, but they all live a ways away, and every time I see them, they, they just, they tell me how wonderful I am, and they tell me how great Angie is. They tell me how tall my kids are, right? They, they tell me all of these things, and they tell me stories about when I was little, and how sweet I was, or how honored I was, but I've turned out pretty good, and it, it's just really great, you know, and their kids are there, and they're ignoring them entirely, my cousins, you know, they don't, they don't get that, they can get that from my dad, but, but it's just that moment of like, I, I walked out of that just thinking, I'm pretty great, like, man, Aunt Jan, Aunt Jerry, they're, they're the best, they just, they just build you up, and, and when you have, you've never been in a conversation where somebody's building you up, and you've thought, you know what, I got, I got to get out of this, this isn't good for me. I can't, you got to stop encouraging me. You've got to stop calling the good things out of me. You've never had that happen. Why? Because we're created to be built up by each other. And as much as we benefit from it from others, oftentimes we forget to do it for others. 
And the default pattern that many of us settle into is instead the unwholesome talk of the world. Negative, destructive, pessimistic. It doesn't mean we can't have realistic conversations about what's going on, but it means even in realistic conversations, we're still going to build each other up in faith, in love, and endurance. And so learn how to do that. Now, now the problem we have there is we just love to shoot our mouths off all the time in all kinds of spaces. And there, there are certain circumstances where it's, it's hard for us to control our speech, right? And, and your default will be unwholesome talk. Typically, how many of you have, have trouble controlling your speech when you're tired? Some of you? Yeah. How many of you have ever said something and the person you're talking to has responded with, you need to go to bed? <laughs> Just me? Okay. Uh, so, so some of you are tired. How, many of you, how about if you're hungry? You ever said something and the first response you get back is, have you eaten? <laughs> like that's, that's one of Angie's go-to. If I'm super grumpy, she's like, have you had food? Like not in an hour. So she'll like throw something at me, right? And, and typically it does kind of, it kind of settles in. Or, or sometimes, have you ever heard someone say something? that was just so profoundly wrong that you're like, I, I just have to enter in. I don't know them. I know I was just walking through the restaurant and they were having a private conversation, but they, they just need to know, right? And, and, and that speech, it doesn't even have to happen with verbally. I mean, you, you ever been scrolling? I go, they, oh gosh, these people. Oh man, they've got to know. They can't possibly believe that. I'm pretty sure I can convince them. And here you go, right? And, and it never, it never turns out well. Or just that moment where maybe there was even no intentional thought, but just that, have you been in that space where the words rolled off your tongue and as they're coming out of your mouth, you're trying to grab them and pull them back in? Maybe as a, a spouse, it's that space in marriage where you said it and as soon as it came out, you knew that was a cheap shot and I'm gonna pay for that. Like there, you know, or, or maybe, maybe you mouthed off to a boss, you're a student, you did it to a teacher. But that, that space when the words come out and now it's like you're just kind of waiting to see how high the mushroom cloud rises and how long you're going to be paying for it, right? And, and so while I love the idea of Jesus expects me to control my words, I find myself again and again and again saying, I can't. I mean, ask my mom from my earliest days. My mouth has got me in trouble. And so, so Jesus, he comes and he makes it very clear to us through Paul of, no, 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 there is an expectation you're going to control your words, but Jesus also sends help to us to control our words. So if you flip over to Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, you see uh, Paul's description of the fruit of the Spirit. And in there, you can read the whole passage later. Before it, he talks about you know, the, the works of the flesh and what a life that's not surrendered to Jesus looks like. And as you read through that, you'll see that, that he describes a lot of words and, and things that come out of our mouth of anger, slander, malice, these types of things. And then he shifts and says, but the life that is controlled by the Spirit produces the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And then the last one he says is self-control. And, and this has always been one of the most interesting fruit of the Spirit to me because the other ones are clearly things that the Spirit brings to us. The Spirit brings God's love. The Spirit brings God's patience. The Spirit brings God's kindness. And then the Spirit brings me my own self-control. It really doesn't make sense because it would have made more sense to me if it said the fruit of the Spirit is Holy Spirit control. But instead what he's telling us is the Spirit comes 
And what makes it the supernatural fruit of the Spirit is these are activities and characteristics that are produced in you when you are taken beyond your natural ability to produce them on your own. Right, so love as a fruit of the Spirit is not just the natural affection you feel towards your family. It's the space where someone has acted towards you in an unloving way and you are still able to respond to them in love. So what that means then is self-control is not just your own self-discipline. It's not the spaces where you have your own things in place and, and, and kind of check your behavior and check your speech. But it is specifically, and when we're thinking of our speech, it's specifically those moments when you think, I can't help but say. And we have other code words for that, right? We say, to be honest. We say, can I tell you something? We say, hey, uh, you know, no offense, but, which means we're about to say something extremely offensive. And we have all of these, and and what are we doing in all of those? We're trying to set the the groundwork for, I know what I'm about to say is probably unwholesome and not helpful, but I I literally can't help it. It's going to come out of my mouth. And, And so what Paul is trying to help us understand is with the arrival of the Holy Spirit, there will never be a moment in your life that you can't help but say. You always have the ability within you through the presence of the Holy Spirit to exercise self-control. Self-control as a fruit of the Spirit is always in season. It's always ripe. It's always available. You will not be led into a moment where you cannot control your speech. It might have been true when you were four or five or six or seven but it is not true anymore. When you know the Spirit lives in you, then you know He is working control. And in the process of renewing your mind, He is also renewing your speech. And so so what happens then is as our minds are renewed, as we begin to learn Jesus has an expectation for my speech and Jesus also offers help for my speech, then ideally what is created is this cycle of reinforcement between our mind and our mouth where our mind is being remade in the image of Christ and we're thinking the thoughts of Christ. We have the mind of Christ and because of that, our thoughts are moving in a direction of the kingdom. And then those thoughts are intended to come out of our mouth. And as we speak them, they're supposed to reinforce what's going on in our head. And so renewed minds lead to renewed speech. Now, the same can happen in a destructive way of negative and destructive thoughts show themselves in negative and destructive speech. And as you say those things and tell those stories and rehash those experiences, it reinforces the negative and destructive things in your mind and you get stuck in a spiral. So there's always a connection between your mind and your mouth and that connection can either lead you down and away from the Lord or up and into experiences of his power, his presence, and his kingdom. And so I want to leave you this morning with just three quick ways that renewed speech works. So over the the past couple months, these are three things that that God has been speaking to me, three kind of exercises that I have been putting in place. And again, if for any of you in here that say, I can't control my mouth, I'm right there with you. But this is how the Holy Spirit is helping me, and it's how I believe he can help you. So the, the first thing that God has been teaching me is renewed speech is a gift. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, we're told the tongue has the power of life and death. So it's very similar to what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, of your words are a gift you give to the world around you. And the gifts you give either lead to life or they lead to death. 
So we're, we're getting ready to head into the, the Christmas season, and at Christmas, you know, there's different ways that we approach it. I know some of you uh, probably already have your shopping done because you read about shortages, and so you bought presents in August, and we're all very impressed with you. Um, some of us have not done any shopping yet. Some of us are letting our wives do all the shopping and hoping she tells us what she wants, Right? Um, and, and so we're in different places. Now, now, some people are naturally good gift givers, but most families have the person who's a naturally bad gift giver, right? <laughs> Hopefully it's not you. Um, but if you can't think of anyone else in your family, there's a chance it is. So, uh, but, but that person, they, the thing that makes them a bad gift giver, like it, it's one thing when they, you can tell like, oh, they just bought something. It at least has a tag on it, so you know where to return it to. Uh, but there's another form of bad gift giving. Now, I, I'm all for re-gifting. If you've got cool stuff you don't want, clean it up, wrap it up, give it away, act like it's new. I don't care. Right? But, but there's a, a special form of gift giving where you just go to your closet, you go to your junk drawer. Like, I forgot I drew their name. I'm going to see what I can find in here. What's something I don't like, don't use, and think is trash? I'll give them that. Right? And, and so you kind of wrap it up and you re-gift it and you give it to them and you can see when they get it of like, thanks, you, you got me a, a tasseled midriff shirt with a picture of Jesus on it. I don't, I don't know where I'm going to wear that. It's a real present my sister got as a kid. It was awesome um, to see my holiness parents of like, our worlds are, her, her belly is showing, but it has Jesus on it, but it has tassels on it. What is going? It was just, a, a, I, I remember sitting there as a kid of like, I, just somebody say something, please. I'm going to say something. Uh, you know, and, and, and you, you've had that moment, though, right? If this is a terrible gift, I can't believe it's been given. And, and yet what, what they're telling us in Proverbs, what Paul tells us in Ephesians 4, your words are a gift, and they're a gift that either leads to life or leads to death. For many of us, we have unknowingly adopted a pattern of re-gifting the old words of death that have been given to us, and we're just repackaging it and handing it down to the next generation coming after us. And so you grew up in a home where there were words of violence and anger. And you might not cuss just like your mama did, but the violence and the anger is still there. You grew up in a home maybe where there was a lot of need, there was a lot of poverty, and it created a lot of insecurity. And you're passing on that same fear to your children, to your coworkers, to the people around you. It's coming out in your speech, and as it's coming out, God's not mad at you about that, but he's trying to get your attention to say, hey, let's stop it. Stop giving bad gifts to the people around you. Stop giving bad gifts to your family, to your coworkers, to your friends. Instead, take that away and begin to give gifts of life instead. So instead of these words of insecurity, these words of poverty, these words of lack, these words of God won't provide so we have to take care of ourselves, start giving words of God's provision. Start giving words of God's faithfulness. Instead of these words of, of greed and idolatry, start giving words of generosity. Instead of words of violence and anger, start giving words of patience and kindness. Instead of words of impulsiveness, start giving those words of self-control. In every space where you look and say, I'm giving bad gifts. Stop and give gifts that lead to life. Right? And, and, and so just very practically, here's how the Holy Spirit has been using this for me. When I'm sitting in a meeting at work, when I'm sitting in the stands at a basketball game, it's that moment of I've got a lot to say. But is what I'm about to say 
going to be received as a gift, not only to the recipient, but to everyone else who hears it around me. So I told you I, I wrote this sermon on a Tuesday. Tuesday night, I went to Muskogee to watch my eighth grade son play basketball, and they had the two worst refs I've ever seen in my life. And I didn't do that great. But I did better than I used to. But there was still a time where Angie had to turn and tell me, you're wearing a broken arrow shirt. Be quiet. Right? Thankfully, she didn't throw the pastor card at me. She knows that one hits a little too close to home. Uh, you know, and it, but, but it was that space of like, I, you know what? I'm actually not. What, am I, what gift am I giving right now? I'm giving a gift of anger. I'm giving a gift of vindictiveness. Giving a lot of other gifts, I'm giving it to the ref, I'm giving it to the people around me, I'm giving it to my kids who are playing, who are listening to me. These are not the gifts I want to give, this is not the legacy I want to leave behind, which, which then leads me to the, the next thing that the Holy Spirit is beginning to teach me, is renewed speech may be silent. When I can't control what I can say, I need to just shut up. And, and Proverbs tells us this way, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Whoever has understanding is even-tempered. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. So, so again, so it's kind of this, in your prayers, you can be honest and give full vent to what's in your heart. Right? That, that's good, that's healthy, that's normal. The Spirit will speak through those. But in your conversations with others, the idea of I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm hungry, I'm tired is not an excuse to just say whatever you want and then everyone else has to deal with it. And so if you're really serious about, hey, I want the Holy Spirit to renew my mind and I want the Holy Spirit to renew my speech, then you're going to have to be really serious about being quiet. That means when you think you just have to say it, self-control looks like, you know, if you keep your lips closed, you can't say it. Right? If you close out the app, you're not going to post it. If you walk away from your computer, you won't send the email. Like there are opportunities and ways that physically we take action to say, Holy Spirit, come and work. The more uncertain you are of what to say or how to say it, the better sign it is that maybe the Holy Spirit just wants you to be quiet. And he's going to speak those words to you in ways that you, don't, that you will understand. So if you have a kind, gentle heart, the Spirit's going to come and say, hey, let's just let's hold back on that. Let's kind of put a pin in that. We'll come back to it later. If you're a little more hard-headed, the Holy Spirit's going to come and just say, shut up. Don't say it. Stop talking. Walk away. They don't need to hear from you. And in that space, that is such a gift of the Holy Spirit to us. You know, it's, it's never really listed as one of the spiritual gifts, but silence has to be a gift of the Spirit. If he's the one that primarily inspires our speech, then he can also be the one who silences our speech. And so we're just going to begin to pray this. of Holy Spirit, will you come today and not just renew my speech, but will you renew my silence? Will you tell me the spaces where I just need to be quiet? And as far as I know, no one has ever actually died from silence. No one, you might feel like you're going to explode if you don't let it out, but you won't. You will be fine. It doesn't mean there's not spaces for venting and lament and all of these types of things. But rarely is it healthy for you to lament to the person who's the source of your grief. 
right? That's not going to go well. That's, that's an I'm just saying moment. It's, it's not it. Find someone else. Find a safer space. Take it to the Lord in prayer. But until you can control and make sure that there is no unwholesome talk that will come out of your mouth, just be quiet. And then Jesus tells us in, in Matthew chapter 10 that it's not just silence, but renewed speech is also spirit-empowered. So this, is, this comes in a, a little section where he's talking to the disciples about um, some difficulty they're going to have. And he's telling them, hey, when I go away, you guys are going to face some hard times. You're going to be arrested. Um, you're going to be brought before people. You're going to have to defend the faith. He says in, in verse 18, on my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. And so, so this is where we're going to find our ultimate hope when it comes to renewing our speech is, yes, the Spirit will come, and he'll remind me to use my words as a gift. Yes, the Spirit will come, and he'll remind me when to be quiet, but the Spirit will also come and inspire and empower my speech. It's not a bad thing to be put in places where you don't know what to say. Right? And, and as you follow Jesus, you're going to have those moments. There are going to be people who ask you questions. There are going to be people who, who want to know, how can you have hope when, you, when you're going through such difficult things? There are going to be people who want to know your opinion on certain things that are happening in the world at that time, and you might feel completely underqualified and ill-equipped to answer them. What Jesus tells us is in that space, be quiet, Ask the Holy Spirit to give you the words and then speak when he speaks to you. And, and some of us, we, we've been blessed to have this experience of you've offered someone advice, you've given an answer to them, and later you've walked away thinking, I don't know where that came from because I am not that smart. Right? I don't know where that came from because I am not that compassionate. I don't know where that came from because I am not that kind. And what happened in that moment is the Holy Spirit came and he spoke through you. And he used your words to lead to life. He used your words to build others up. What Jesus is telling the disciples is, look, you're going to get drugged before men in positions of power that have the power of life and death over you. But in that space, don't even worry about what you're going to say. Because when you speak, it will be the Spirit of the Father speaking through you, this is the ultimate confidence and hope we have, that as our minds are renewed, our speech is also renewed. So I, I, what I don't want you to do is I don't want you leaving today feeling like, yep, I screwed it up, I can't control my mouth, I have no hope, and uh, hopefully God just forgives me a lot. But I want you leaving with confidence knowing the Spirit, the same way He has a plan to renew your mind, He has a plan to renew your speech. He has a plan for every single one of us to walk back into our homes, into our jobs, into our, cl into our classrooms, into every place that we go to speak words of life, to speak words of hope, to speak words of faith, to speak words of encouragement. And the darker the environment you're going back to, the more the Spirit is going to empower you to speak His words of life in those situations. I love the promise of Jesus in Matthew chapter 10. He does not tell the disciples, when you're in churches, when you're preaching to other believers, when you're sharing together, then the Spirit will inspire you. He says, when you are at your most disadvantaged, the Spirit of your Father will speak through you. 
So that means there is no space I'm going to go. There's no people I'm going to encounter. There is no feeling or thought that's going to attack me. That the Spirit cannot overcome, overpower, and speak His words of life into. So if you'll stand with me this morning, I want to pray with you that you will have this experience. Lord, we come today thankful that you are the God who has a plan for every thought and a plan for every word. So Jesus, will you come and begin to speak your words of life to us? Lord, I pray if there are those today in the room or online who have not started their relationship with you, if they've never surrendered their hearts to you, Jesus, will you come today and begin to draw them to you? Will the first words that come out of their mouth be, Jesus, forgive me, and Jesus, save me. And as those words are spoken, Lord, we pray that you will do your deep work of salvation and you will invite them into the process of renewal. Lord, I pray for those of us who are here this morning, and we just have a lot of trouble controlling our mouths. Lord, we always have something to say. We always have a thought to share. And we're, we're coming today, Lord, just to lay that before you, to confess it, to acknowledge the spaces where that has led us into sin, to acknowledge the, the places where it's led us into just rotten behavior and rotten speech. So we come to ask that you would forgive us for speaking words of anger and wrath. Will you forgive us, Lord, for our greedy and violent speech? Will you forgive us of our our gossip, of our vindictiveness? Will you forgive us of our speech that speaks lies and destruction and divisiveness? Will you forgive us for excusing our speech as somehow separate from what's in our heart? And Holy Spirit, we invite you today to come and not only renew our minds, but renew our mouths. Lord, let our speech lead to life. Let it build others up. May they be encouraged by the things that we speak to them and about them. And Lord, I pray especially for those who are in the room today that they are in the middle of situations where they don't know what to say and they don't know how to say it. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and you would fill them with your presence and your power. You see the difficult conversations that are coming this week, maybe between a husband and a wife, between a parent and a child. You see the boss who has to have hard conversations with an employee, the child who has a difficult conversation with a parent at Thanksgiving. Lord, you see all of these spaces where we're just saying, Lord, we don't know what to say. And in that space, we come and we invite the presence of your Holy Spirit. Will you come and speak to us and through us? And even in hard and difficult conversations, Lord, help our speech to lead to life. Help our speech to build others up. Help our speech to be a reflection of the renewing work of your spirit in our mind and in the world around us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.